I think one of the biggest things I want people to know is, one, you're not broken, and two, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just about you really just haven't been given the tools and the strategies to understand, one, how your mind works, why it does what it does, and also, two, why your body needs proper nutrition. Hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Meet Medic podcast. Now, today I'm joined by my very special guest, uh, Natalie West, who is a clinical psychologist and uh, a nutritional psychologist, which is really interesting. I think we are going to learn a lot today from Natalie. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Suresh. It's um, amazing. I've been watching your journey too, so it's great to chat. <laughs> yeah, and I've been watching you. We said before we started recording that uh, yeah, we've both kind of been keeping an eye on what each other's doing. And you, you certainly post so much uh, amazing stuff on 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 your Facebook uh, feed, which is really incredible. So I'm learning a lot from you, and I'm Thank hoping you. to learn a lot more from you today. <laughs> um, so look, I guess, uh, like I did with all my my guests, maybe if you can just start a little bit with with a bit of your background, short or long story, doesn't matter, uh, and yeah. what's kind of led you on this journey to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so for me, I was in corporate for 20 years. So lots of, you know, sales, lots of corporate, um, you know, operational management. I started kind of my career when I was 18, so very young. Uh, and then, you know, 20 years later, I'd always been very fascinated with the mind and the body. And, you know, I've got medical practitioners in my family and it was just like I didn't know whether I could go, you know, to be a nurse or whatever, whatever kind of came into my path. But um, after 20 years in corporate, I just decided that I really wanted to do something different. And the, the trigger point of that was really when I had my first child. So at the age of 33, I was just, yeah, I don't want to work for anybody anymore. And, you know, even though I loved the psychology of sales and all of that kind of thing, I just knew there was something more. But also, too, I come from a bodybuilding background. So I was very focused on fitness and health and things like that. Also family history of mental health issues. So I'd always been kind of surrounded by varying, you know, degrees of, of mental health. So I always knew that, you know, um, exercise and the way we eat. And also too, I grew up in the 70s. So, you know, it was pretty standard for us to eat meat and three veg. That was kind of our, you know, no processed food. So I was very lucky. I kind of look back and I think I'm very grateful for that. Um, and also too, cost-wise, you know, back then it wasn't really, um, I guess, monetary to, you know, put into healthy food was more of an option than buying processed takeaway foods mm. like it is today. So for me, um, it was just really by default. And I always say to people, you know, I think your, your passion and your career kind of finds you um, based on, you know, your own personal experiences. So for me, being in the bodybuilding industry, I didn't know at the time before I went through my psych and, you know, all my other training was it was a very external validated process and I didn't realize that at the time. And it was a very conflicted, un, you know, negative self-image that led me down that path just to, you know, get your body into a certain state, but also too, not knowing what I know now <laughs> about how you eat as a bodybuilder. If I knew that then I would have never have done it because it led me down a very, very um, unhealthy path of disordered eating, really unhealthy relationship with food, counting calories, constant constriction. So then that would lead me to binging and then I would go and exercise. So I had this dichotomy and then I actually ended up going um, down the path of the psychology route first. Um, but something in me, Suresh, was always like, oh, I didn't 
something wasn't clicking for me. And then I ended up, again, by default, going to a seminar where there was a psychotherapist there who also was talking about orthomecular nutrition. So as we know that now, that's, you know, psychiatric nutrition. Um, So for me, it really made me understand that, you know, we have a whole being as a body. We just don't have a head that we just need to talk to psychologically all the time. And, you know, he had said to me after that two-hour seminar, Natalie, if you really want to give power to people to heal themselves, it's not always in their head. Mm. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, what does that mean? And he was like, you know, your gut's your first brain. He said your gut-brain axis is one of the most powerful relationships that people have to understand. And, that's where, you know, 90% of, you know, nutritional deficiencies come from when we connect to mental health. So I was just like, wow, I hadn't heard of that because in the psychology model, we, we don't get told that. We don't get told. We actually do get told the opposite, to be honest. We get told that that doesn't work. That's more of a placebo. Um, you know, gut-brain axis doesn't affect um, depression or anxiety. It's a DNA thing or it's a generational thing or it's trauma. Trauma, yes. But DNA, now I'm kind of really deep into that. Kind of know that's really not the not the gig. Um, so for me, it was just really having that exposure. And then he'd said to me, you know, you also have to understand how to teach people how their minds work, not just come to therapy and talk and leave and come back and talk and leave because you're not you're not allowing anyone to understand conscious, unconscious. Also, your body, your body also has unconscious memory systems. So it's an energetic space, which we have to really understand. So that really led me down the path of understanding what orthomecular nutrition was and nutritional psychiatry um, and really understanding emotions behind why we eat, why we drink, why we anchor things in, you know, processed foods and alcohol or even drugs sometimes. So, you know, and 17 years later, (laughs) this is where I am now. So I've been in this field 17 years um, and it's always evolving and I always love, you know, helping people understand that even back then when I first started, asking people what they ate was very unusual. People would be like, I've never been asked that question. Why are you asking me that? And I'm like, well, it's kind of important. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so i was no, a little it, bit of anomaly back then i was just like this lonesome wolf out there asking people like great let's talk about your mental health but tell me what you eat <laughs> and i still ask that question today yeah i mean it's probably one of the maybe second or third question i often ask people you know after hi what's your name you know i know that name anyway yes. they're booked in but you know what, yes. do you, what do you eat it's so important it doesn't matter why they're coming in almost <laughs> Um, do, do you think you're you're still a lone wolf or are there other others out there like you that are exploring this side of things now with diet and nutrition when it comes to mental health? I do believe so. Like, for example, you know, people like Georgia Ede and, you know, Dr. Chris Palmer, they're kind of, I guess, the pioneers of, of really combining, you know, mitochondrial health, metabolic health with mental health, you know, they they go hand in hand. They they don't operate on their own individually and you can't just treat one individually. Um, but it's really funny you ask me that. Like I know a lot of, you know, practitioners around me who are also very um, intricative, so they absolutely understand the connection between um, mental health and, and metabolic health, but also too, 
from my psychotherapy point and my psychology point, it's also allowing people to understand their thoughts, feelings, actions, behaviors, along with what they're eating and understanding the mind's a framing process. So we have to make gaps in the frame to make changes because otherwise we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over. Um, I actually have a lot of people reach out to me through Instagram as well. So a lot of social workers, a lot of counsellors that really have understood now, I guess, being in the industry, you know, that they're in and what they're treating and understanding that, hold on, I'm missing a huge piece of the puzzle here. And also, too, when we talk about food, we have to really understand what species appropriate means versus what's not. <laughs> mm, yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, what what is it that you are are currently eating now? Then, I mean, I I kind of know from following your Facebook and stuff, but what, to maybe if you can tell our viewers, our listeners, what it is that you are eating after this journey and where it's led you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm full carnivore. I've been carnivore now for over four years. So my uh, diet consistently is of eggs. So that's, you know, five five to six eggs in the morning. It really depends on, you know, if I'm hungry that much uh, with some butter. Uh, and then I'll eat again maybe between four to five, and that's just generally beef or lamb. Um, I don't have any more butter on that. I just have the meat fat. Um and really that's it. I'm I'm pretty much satiated and fed that way and have been for, you know, as I said, four years. Um, I'll have some feta every now and again, just Danish feta and olive oil. Um, but for me, you know, experiencing my kind of binging disordered eating patterns when I was a bodybuilder. So as a bodybuilder, you know, my diet was just full of high carbs and chicken. I, I don't even eat chicken now. I can't even stand it. Sorry for all the people out there that like chicken, but <laughs> I just have overdosed myself on chicken. Um, but it was eating every three hours, you know, and, and then that led me into a really bad situation with my health. I ended up literally borderline um, diabetic where I went for blood tests one day and I'd woke up and my face was numb <laughs> and I'm wow. like, something's going on here but unfortunately before that was with lockdown and I'd kind of you know as we all do being locked inside um I'd kind of eaten started to eat sourdough bread um and then that just got me into trouble so I went for tests and he come back and he said yeah you've got the celiac response that's an inflammation um and also to your bloods were your insulin was really high so it kind of made sense to me now, but back then I didn't have the qualifications or the understanding that I do now. So I, it did yeah. lead me into a very kind of precarious space. But the doctor at the time had said to me, oh, we'll just keep an eye on it. And I'm like, no, actually, we're just not going to keep an eye on it because I need to to re reverse this. But by default, yeah, I did reverse my insulin resistance, but I also reversed my asthma and my um, uh, all my allergies disappeared. I had very severe um, uh hay fever, like yeah, to the point wow. where I'd be on, um, you know, hay fever medication every day. Um, mm. Since going carnival, that pretty much all disappeared within six months. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, I was just saying to a patient the other day the same thing, you know, uh, that, that a lot of people on carnival find that, that hay fever disappears um, yeah. just because it's something that's maybe external that's, you know, we're not eating tree pollen and grass no. pollen and whatever else <laughs> that hay causes hay fever. But I think it's just that that recognition, uh, recognition, sorry, that that something sensitizes the system, kind of builds that baseline, maybe inflammation, whatever it is. Oh, I agree. Yeah. 
and then that just kind of comes on top and then and then sets it off really so um yeah i mean you mentioned a lot there i mean obviously coming from a bodybuilding uh background and and disordered eating that is something we hear a lot of in the bodybuilding community a lot of people out there talking about this uh and it's really is a, is a problem interesting you said you know that you you were eating three four for every three four hours you know that fuel mm. fuel the furnace and, and all that yes, kind of nonsense keep your metabolism up exactly you gotta you gotta keep stoking the fire keep putting coals in the fire all that all that stuff and actually it was actually causing you more and more problems and actually worsening your your metabolic health it was you know i looked good on the outside but was I mentally good on the inside? Absolutely not. Um, right. You know, and understanding what a negative self-image and a quite a conflicted one, which is, you know, again, what I teach people around their programming and their programming really is is given between this, the age of zero to seven. So a lot of that programming that we learn as children, especially around how food's used and exercise. Um, so for me, you know, I just thought that was normal, that, okay, yeah, we eat every three hours. And however, the one thing that really started, I, I started to question was I would eat and then within about 35 minutes, I was starving. I was just like, hold on, something's mm. not right here. So then that was that insulin resistance, understanding that, oh, that's what's going on, right? Mm. So once I pulled all that out, just all disappeared. And don't, I have not counted calories now for over four years. So that was a daily thing for me. Yeah. How does that and feel? it's also daily for my clients too that don't do it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, how, how does that feel to 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 come from that background of you know disordered eating, counting calories, counting macros, and then to just not have to do that oh, anymore? It's just freedom. It is just so free, and it's funny. I, I I joke now, but I'm like, my head has so much more space available to do different things <laughs> than to think about food. I don't think about food. I just, you know, that primal instinct that you get when you start eating how a human is meant to eat, you just understand the primal hunger signals and go, right, I'm going to eat and I'm going to eat until I'm satiated and then I'm stopping. And your brain loves that, right? And the other thing with being in ketosis I cannot even quantify, you know, my life before to now of, of how my brain operates and how my body operates. And I'm still weight training, but I do it from a very different space now. It's more connected to my mental and metabolic health and as, as it is with all of my clients. So anyone that comes to me that kind of has seen what carnivore does, but if they're first spot for me and I hear that it's a diet for them, then that's an alert for me mm. because that's a past pattern program of jumping on diets to force your body to lose weight. Mm -hmm. That's never going to work and it doesn't work because if one diet worked, we would never have the 500,000 of them that we do. Um, it's about resetting that unconscious mechanism to so you have to eat and move based on your values, but also mental and metabolic health must come first. End mm. of story. And your body by default will do exactly what it needs to do. And everyone's so unique, as you know, Thresh, everyone's got very different things going on, but ultimately let's lose inflammation. Let's lose, you know, the attachments to really crappy processed foods that we shouldn't be eating they damage our brains 
Oh, they absolutely do. You mentioned there that, you know, keto or being in ketosis, you know, carnivores yeah. allowed you to kind of do so much to expand your brain and push out all that stuff you don't need. I mean, you do do a lot. I mean, you're a clinical psychologist, clinical psychotherapist, nutritional psychologist. I forgot to mention all of these things in the oh, intro. Uh, Self-image specialist, international yeah. speaker, columnist. I mean, you're doing, you're, I thought I did a lot. You're, you're, I'm very you're, busy. <laughs> you're certainly very, very busy woman. You're doing a lot. Um, sought after facilitator, speaker, international speaking and so on. I mean, that's a lot. Um, you think carnivores has really helped you with, with that side of things as oh. well? totally changed my life personally, but also too, it really allows me to be grounded, but have so much energy to actually put in the work that I need to. Um, the amount of hours sometimes that I do a week, you know, if I'd kind of look back on my corporate history, I would be, you know, lying on the couch, not being able to move. But now I just, it, it's just a normal space of vibration um, that I now sit in. Yeah, certainly I understand my foundations where I need to go to reset. Uh, but secondly, um, you know, I'm also a very big faster. So um, I also use hormonal fasting, especially with women. Hormonal fasting is very powerful, um, but people have to understand their hormones and, and how to fast correctly, especially with being in ketosis or not, there's come mm. up, you know a couple of things there, um, but it's just it's a level of energy that you know as you know it's very difficult to put into words. Um, it's a whole new way of being, really, mentally, physically, uh, and I haven't even been to see a doctor apart, you know, for for four years apart from just checking in on my bloods when I first started, just to see where I was and to look at my markers, but. Even, you know, I'm I'm 51, so I'm kind of on the other side of also with women with, you know, menopause as well. So carnivore and eating this way has totally and utterly really saved me from going through all of those horrendous symptoms <laughs> that most women unfortunately go through. Yeah, that's really interesting. I definitely want to talk about that. I mean, I'm just looking at my big screen down here. I mean, you don't look 51. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> carnivore like, bun, what have i called i've said it the other day um it's the kind of the the um benjamin button way of eating the kind of reverses <laughs> aging backwards yeah, yeah. I, I think i think you're right i mean i look at photos from me and you know i mean when i was in my 20s i was a little bit slimmer and so on i'm still on that that journey now but um yeah like just my skin and everything is just so much better than it was back oh. then it's just incredible yeah, I, I look back on pictures of myself, you know, and my whole face, like especially my jaw, and that's the other thing, you know, because you're chewing. We're meant to chew yeah. a lot. That's a, a primal instinctive thing. Um, but jaws and your teeth get better and, you know, everything just gets better. Um, you know, and I, I see clients, you know, that start with me and then three weeks later I see them on the screen and their whole inflammation in their face has disappeared. And they're like, this has never happened ever. I'm like, yeah. I know, this is what happens when you eat like a human. It's, in, it's incredible, isn't it? Do you do you talk to your patients' clients then about carnivore? Is that something that you do bring up with them? Well, people generally know by by listening to any of my podcasts or looking at my work, that's a hand-in-hand -hand process for me. Um, you know, it's either low-carb or into a carnival way of eating. Uh, and when they find me, they kind of know that, that that's kind of where I sit because I know it's the most powerful to really reset a lot of these patterns and behaviours. And then, you know, once we kind of go through that over a six-month period, 
it allows people the freedom to go, you know what, if I'm going to add something back in, I have to honour the feedback and the value that I'm getting and really understand why I'm doing it. To make sure it's not a society-driven thing, it's got to be an internal value relationship with your mental and metabolic health. So there's no point adding back in, you know, if you've not eaten bread for six months and then you eat it and then all of a sudden you feel really flat and depressed, well, we've really got to go, well, you can't eat that. You have to eliminate it. And that's the other thing too, language-wise. We're so driven to think that balance and moderate is normal. It's, it's not, it doesn't exist because we can't have a level of moderate addiction or a moderate level of type 2 diabetes. You have to eliminate. And I know that that brings up a lot of psychological components with people with eliminating things um, because we've got to understand the emotion attached or anchored to that. But once you let that go and it's freedom of choice to go, well, I know that that's not going to serve me well. That's a low vibrational choice versus staying in a carnivore, heavy protein way of eating and being in ketosis is the key. That, that's the key um, to allowing people to understand when they aren't and when they, when they are how different that feels yeah no absolutely i think you're right there i mean uh the idea that we you know just balance or moderate unmoderatable you know foods is is number one just never going to work you know it's hyper addictive hyper palatable foods but you yes. know it's like saying we'll just 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 moderate you know meth or, or something you know it just i'm not not encouraging people to take meth YouTube, no, 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 don't, no no don't 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 ban me youtube um <laughs> no. but uh you know it's it's like saying it's you know just thing. This hyper addictive food, you know, just 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 don't eat it very often. It's very very difficult for people. But the other recognition there, I think, you're right. Some food is just not good for us um, no. on a on a population or an individual level. And I, and I think, yeah, we do need to recognise. Okay, well, if food actually harms you, yeah. maybe just not eating it is actually okay. Well, you're allowed well, it is. to it's, not eat it, something. It, <laughs> You are, but, you know, also too, if we go back to our programming and the way as children as we've seen food, so a lot of the dialogue we hear, like if you don't eat that, you can't have your dessert, right, automatically you're in fear of like now I've got to shove this awful food in, for example. Like if you've ever watched a kid eat broccoli, they screw their, their face up because it's bitter, let's be honest. Give them yes. a piece of meat and yes. they don't screw their face up. <laughs> We're not meant to eat bitter things. Um that's why a lion in the jungle would give a bit of kale. It's not going to eat it. Probably um, not, no, unless it's wrapped, <laughs> wrapped around a deer or something. Correct. Well, because you know why? It instinctively knows that's not good for me. But as Absolutely. humans, we've lost that. We've lost that instinct. And it's funny. I want to talk about a client really quickly. I'm so proud of him, and it's very relative to what we're talking about. Been seeing him for 12 weeks. He's in the U.S., and he said to me this week, he goes, Natalie, he goes, it's the first time I've walked down the chocolate aisle. He goes, and I all looked at it and I was like, no, 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 no. He said, I just had this instinct that I knew that that was not good for me. He goes, I yeah. never thought that would ever happen. He goes, it's so freeing. Yeah. How, how powerful is that? How amazing is that? I just it's yeah. so like I got, you know, goosebumps and everything when he told me, but for him watching his face, he said, I, I knew that I heard you say that in the beginning. He goes, but I was like, oh, really? That's a kind of a far stretch. But now he'd experienced it. He's like, yeah. why would I ever want to do that? I know. That's that's just so incredibly powerful. And I, and it's touching because I, I think probably yourself, you know, we've all been there. Uh, yeah. And we can, I think a lot of us can relate to that. Just, just 
you know that realization that actually that is just not food no maybe i just shouldn't actually eat it and it's like no. wow <laughs> and that is a very very freeing it is, it is and one of the other things as children you know we're also taught that if something happens to us if we cry or we fall over we're given treats like we're given really sugary bad things and again we shouldn't be given treats we're not animals right it's if something's happened you need to go through the emotion that whatever is happening at that time but if you anchor it or blanket out with something that is going to give you a taste bud reaction you're immediately building a profile of every single time i'm emotional that's the filing cabinet pattern that you'll develop and you'll just go to that immediately every time mm -hmm. and as kids when we're starting with that taste bud addiction to sweet sugary foods and salty things and by the way companies know what they're doing it's called a bliss spot point they spend billions of dollars to get this right so you can't just have one you'll have the whole packet that's right right they've got customers for life right so it's about understanding to the dopamine hit reaction that we have and we're in such a dopamine dominant society yeah. everything around us is just firing at all the time and alcohol food but you know what the other element of shifting out of moving away from that is getting that dopamine back to the right levels is how you're meant to earn it you're meant yeah. to earn dopamine. You're meant to actually work for it, not just sit in your couch, get a delivery from Uber Eats and yeah. get stuck yeah. in that mentality. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you, hear you talk about dopamine. I mean, I've been doing a lot of work on dopamine lately and a lot of the work I, I do with patients on sugar addiction, food addiction yeah. uh, is around dopamine, other addictions as well. And, and it's probably yes. how carnival helps with other addictions. I know Dr. Sean Baker talks about it in his book. Uh, questions, you know, we don't know why, but we know it does happen that carnival diet helps with addictions. I mean, I, I think it's it's dopamine most likely. It, it absolutely is. And also to even with alcohol. Um, you know, I've, I've worked with many clients that have, you know, had had really strong alcohol issues um, and being carnival within a six-week period, all the desire for that disappears. But I also think, too, what it is, again, alcohol is just sugar, right? So, again, we've got some hyperglycemic issues going on there as well. If you look back historically, you know, if, if someone has a really high-processed sugar diet as a child and as a teenager and then they get into alcohol, that's the same root cause right yeah. however we've got emotions on top of that too but it's also about the amino acids <laughs> like let's talk about you know how powerful red meat is with the amount of amino acid it has in it um which then you know when we eat and our guts get better and then you've got the neurotransmitters that are actually all firing Inflammation is one of the key things too, I think, with addictions. Like once they start to get that down and their body starts to feel better, it opens up a window for their psyche to go, oh, actually, hold on, something's changing here because you cannot ignore a physiological, biological response in your body. Mm -hmm. it's, you, just, you just can't. So when that starts to feel and, you know, what, what I love about how I work is you're giving the power to the person to go, you You are opening that door for you. Mm. It may feel uncomfortable and your mind and your body is not going to like it because it's unfamiliar. But 
that where the unfamiliarity is is where the growth is. And your yeah. mind has to be in a space of the unknown for things to change. Yeah, I think that's very, very powerful. I definitely want to talk a lot more on the actual science of diet and nutrition when it comes to mental health, if you're okay with that, Natalie. But yeah, just quickly, yeah. I want to go back a little bit. You've mentioned a number of times around children and uh, touched on emotional eating and the psychology of eating. I want to discuss that a little bit more if we can. So, I mean, what, what's yeah. your what's your take on on feeding kids uh, and this idea of you know you have to finish your plate, you can't have <laughs> dessert until until you finish your meal, you know you have to eat your veggies, uh, otherwise you can't have the treat. I mean, what's your take on all of that side of things? Well, seeing you know how that affects people. As an adult, um, I'm very, very hesitant around that. It, it's something that, you know, whereas a child will eat when they're hungry, but if they're actually eating processed foods, their their hunger signals and their primal instincts are going to be all mixed up. So I'll always say, you know, when a child is capable, being able to give them good quality protein, you know, to allow them to understand where that satiating mark is but not use narratives or um anchors around food as a threat um, because once you do that, what happens is if you're sitting there as a child, even as an adult, even people I work with are like, I've got to eat all this because then I can have my ice cream. It's still embedded that yeah. far down. You know, I'm talking, you know, people in their 40s and 50s, right, that still have this anchor. But because that attachment is, well, if I do this, then I'm good. I've earned that. And this is the problem. We're earning in the wrong way. So, no, I think the way children should be able to listen to their hunger signals and eat when they're ready and stop when they're not, because guess what? As a child, they'll just say, hey, yeah, you know, I want some food or whatever, but it's what you give them is going to be the key whether they register their signals or not, their, mm. their primal instinct. So I'm always for low-carb kind of, you know, cucumbers and good yogurts and berries and um, lots of good meat, whether it's chicken, lamb, beef, give it to them. Because the thing is, I would rather a child have a whole plate of meat and then they'll eat a little bit of cucumber and they'll have some yogurt with it, but allow them to guide where they're at. Don't force or push. And also to make sure that in between that you're not feeding them really high-based non-nutritional foods. Like you've got to look at the content of nutrition. So like a piece of white bread, there's nothing in that. All that does is turns to sugar, right, mm -hmm. raises your insulin. But if you've got to have that, make sure there's good protein with it, good fats with it. Give children fats too. Like they, they need fat. Mm, they absolutely do. I mean, fat is incredibly important for brain development. If you look back through evolution, of course, you know, human evolution really skyrocketed when we started eating uh, fat primarily from, from yes. the brains. That's when human evolution really skyrocketed. Um, yeah. You mentioned there about using, you know, food as both kind of treat and punishment. <laughs> yes. That was yeah. a really, I wonder if you can expand on that. That's a really interesting concept. Yeah. So for example, you know, it's a treat, like if a, if a child falls over or if you do this, I'm going to give you that. So it's like, if you do your work or your homework, I'm going to give you a treat. And normally it's, it's shitty food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what that does, that, that builds up a 
programming to state that that kid, so every single time I do something good, I can have that. And that's why I was saying before, even adults, if I do good at work, then I can come home and I can have a wine. I can have something else. It's that That's the emotional connection. We're not actually looking at what do we need to reframe to change that pattern. So as a kid, don't give them food. Tell them you're proud of them. Tell them wow, show me what you did. Get them involved in the process instead of them going, wow, I did that, but now I get that because that's going to disappear and they're going to be stuck in this because then the whole dopamine hit just takes over. Hmm. So that will be an ongoing process. So treats, no. Punishment is also too, as you grow up, again, if you've had a parent that's been on a diet and it's all about losing weight, getting into a certain size, then food is seen as punishment. So don't eat that, you'll get fat. That's going to make you, you know, I've had one client that was told that, you know, if you eat that, no man will ever love you. Wow. Could you imagine what that has impacted her, right? So as much as we sometimes think that words or narratives that come out of our mouth mean nothing, Every single person that, especially in that zero to seven, no one has the ability to cognitively filter out, well, that's not mine, that's just mum in a bad mood or dad in a bad mood. So all of our authority figures have such a big capacity on our value structures. So a lot of the time it's hitting back to, well, food is a higher value than me or what I've done because we've anchored that behaviour outside of ourselves so anything to do with validation bodybuilding industry (laughs) validate 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 but we're all not well inside we're using that as an anchor again reward Mm. but you don't get the reward from it it keeps you in a very bad spiral yeah no that is absolutely fascinating and i'm sure I'm probably guilty of that with my kids. I try very hard not to. I am very conscious of that. And I I don't blame my parents at all uh, for my issues. But I do think that a lot of my issues with eating stemmed from that mentality of you can't have that until you've had this. You know, if you finish all your vegetables, you can you can have the sugar, the treats, you know, and so on. So um, And we also too there, Suresh, we go into like food insecurity. Um, people can get really attached to it because it's like, oh, if I don't do this, then I'm not going to get it. So it becomes a very anxiety-driven place to be. And one thing I really want to touch on what you just said then too, when I talk about authoritarian figures and how we program and how our minds work, it's more about understanding that, you know, your parents or your or whoever, you know, your authoritarian figures were, they didn't know any different either because they were also conducively from your grandparents, right? So again, it's understanding what's unconscious patterning versus conscious patterning. But the thing is too, I always say to people, where you are right now happened because it happened that way and it didn't happen any other way. (laughs) Yeah. But your power now as an adult is to understand that's not working for me and my values are outside of myself, which will never work, Mm. especially when it comes to food. If you've got a value of food, if you go to a barbecue and and all that food <clears throat> is looking at you and talking to you, your value's lost. It's it's in that. Yeah, I think power is a really interesting word there as well because people often think, feel like, oh, it's their fault. 
that they can't eat properly or it's their fault that um you know that they have the power to change means it's somehow their fault uh, and then they go into this negative spiral you know and i try and say look it's not your fault but you do have the power to actually make that change 100 percent. and i always you know the freedom of what my clients end up having is if they make a choice it's got to be a conscious choice it's got to be hold on where's my why what's my value here what emotion am i in if i'm stressed or angry they know i'm not going to anchor it again in something that i used to do but there's a very certain foundation that I take people through. But again, the amount of shifts and change that you can make in your life from being, well, waking up your unconscious programming to become very conscious in your choices. And it's the same with me. I'm a mum, you know, my kids are now 17 and 13. And, you know, I kind of look back and I never used high sugar retreats because I that was just not what I learned, right? But I want parents to really understand that, no, you don't know what you don't know until you do. Yeah. So don't take on guilt or shame because they're useless emotions. They don't do anything but anchor the same unconscious pattern and behavior. But it's about talking to your kids, telling you you're proud of them. If they do something, just don't give them a chocolate. Yeah, very, very wise words, I think, there. I wanted to get into it, if we can, a little bit more about the nutritional aspect then of mental health and psychology. And you touched on a few things there, like amino acids. Of course, we've spoken about meat. How important is our nutrition to mental health? Uh, well, it's been around for a long time. Uh, but I guess, you know, what we've got to do is pull, pull away narratives. I think that we've been led to believe that there's no connection. So if I get you to think even about, you know, uh, orthomecular specialists, you know, we're back in the 1900s, like Linus Pauling and Abram Hoffer have been talking about the power of nutrition for a very, very long time on, on mental health. And, you know, they're also psychiatrists. So this is not new, but I think, again, what we have to do is understand if we go back to the basic core of fundamental, our body is a chemical factory <laughs> and it needs the right chemical, you know, input with messages, which comes from food. So I always you know, tell my clients that all the messaging that you have in your hand that you put into your mouth, whatever you're choosing has either high vibrational messages or low vibrational messages, which then will not convert the right chemical reactions that you need in your body. So again, we've got to go back to, removing emotions for a sec, but when we talk about depression and anxiety, they're the top two. And then if we go up to things like, you know, schizophrenia and those kind of higher levels of schizoid disorders, I always look at them as a huge side effect of something deeper. There's a root cause that's been going on. Yes, there's a psychological component, but, you know, what I find that doing this for so long, you know, I would say 80% of it comes from a biological underfed problem <laughs> and nutritional deficiency. And I know nutritional deficiency sounds quite weird in the Western world, but we actually are starving. Um, and we have been for a very, very long time. So, you know, if you look at a supermarket, I always say to people, if you're shopping in the middle of the supermarket, you're nutritionally deficient. Mm -hmm. um, if you're looking around the outsides, obviously meat, dairy, that's perfect. You know, it's been around for millennia, let's be honest. Um, you know, and whatever you're going through yourself, in relation to low carb. But as a human being, I think where we lose the connection is, again, what we're led to believe that, you know, we have a pill to solve that problem. Now, that's going to treat a symptom. Maybe you may have to try three or four for that. 
But in the history, and if you look at nutrition and all the research that's coming out now and all the studies, especially with ketogenic you know, way of eating and even into a low-carb, things are changing. Like people are reversing things like schizophrenia and schizoid disorders and depression they've had for many mm-hmm. years. And, yeah, you know, we'll throw in the word that it's antidotal, but <clears throat> I really don't think right now that we need, you know, a peer-reviewed study, oh, sorry, there goes my camera, um, <laughs> to prove that this works, you know. So, again, we've got to go back to where do we learn how to eat? Why are we eating? Where have we lost the mechanism to understand that our brain needs to be fed and it does not like as much glucose as we're led to believe? You do not need glucose. Your your body will make glucose for you through gluconeogenesis. That's what it's designed to do, you know. And also, too, if we look at a utero birth state, we're actually in ketosis when we're in utero. Mm-hmm. And when we're born, we're in ketosis. And when we're breastfed, for example, if that's an option, that's full of saturated fat, you're in ketosis. That's a birth state. Yeah. <laughs> but then what happens is we shove cereal into kids or, you know, rice cereal and things like that. And we've really got to get back to those basic mechanisms of a human species, as in look at the connections between the society now. We're getting sicker and sicker mentally, metabolically, and it's not from a lack of medication. It's from a lack of proper food and nutrition. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a no-brainer for me. Um, yeah. You know, I've seen it over and over again, as you would have. Um, you know, some people don't like to hear it because it does cause resistance. But, again, it goes back to how about going on a ketogenic way of eating or even a low-carb way of eating and you determine what the truth is Yeah. instead of allowing the power to be set in something that's not working. Yeah, I think you're right there. And I think it goes back to, again, what we said earlier, touching on, you know, it's not just because people have the power to make the change. It doesn't mean it's their fault that no. they've not they've not done this to themselves. You know, that's a very negative way. There's going to be people out there thinking, oh, yeah, you know, they're kind of just blaming what, I, what I'm eating, you know, and blaming me for my own problems. Yeah. It's not like that at all. It's just saying no. you have the power to make that change. Yeah, and, you know, One thing I really want people to understand too when it comes to mental and metabolic health, you know, I think a lot of people think that they need willpower. Um, It has nothing to do with willpower. (laughs) Willpower doesn't work. Um, You really have to understand the mechanisms of how your body works. And, you know, this is about educating. Educate yourself on, hold on, if I've been told that cereal is more of a dessert, but I'm eating it for breakfast, but we're being led to believe that, you know, wheat bix is okay or Nutrigrain has protein in it. Okay, we've got to kind of step back and go, let's read the ingredients. Mm-hmm. If there's 500 ingredients in there that you can't pronounce, those message signals, your body's not going to know what to do with that. It has no concept of that is not food. Mm-hmm. If you're eating not food, you are going to be nutritionally deficient and yeah. and malnourished. Yeah. <laughs> malnourished uh, is probably the best word. Absolutely. O- overfed and undernourished, I think, is Correct. the popular terminology. And that is absolutely right. Western world, we, I'm sure you see it, I see it all the time, overfed, undernourished, you know, yeah. this 
this kind of uh, thin on the outside, fat on the inside, tofi, whatever mm. you want want to call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely is the is the case. I mean, you mentioned there that uh, you know, anecdote uh, certainly carnivore and mental health. Yeah. Look, this mostly anecdote, but. Um, there are studies out there. There are peer-reviewed studies. There are meta-analyses that do show that nutrition is really important. It is, and for I think health. they're 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 the ones that you know are kind of pushed to the side, I guess, a lot of the time. Um, but you know, there's a study actually, which probably a lot of people don't know, but there was one done um, in 2022 out of France by Dr. Dan. Have you have you read that one? I've not no, but I can link it in the uh, description if we can find it. Yeah, so it was also in conjunction with Dr. George Ead. So I can actually send you um, the link to have a look at yeah, it. But please do, yeah. Now, it was a small cohort, but there was 28 inpatients that had um, bipolar, major depressive issues, and also schizophrenia. So they put them on a ketogenic way of eating. And also, too, if we look at the power of being in ketosis and, you know, even if you look at epilepsy, They've used ketogenic diets with epilepsy for many, many years because of seizure control, right? So if we look at that, we're like, well, if that's working in that space, what is it going to do on the brain of someone that's possibly has schizoid disorder or depression or whatever it may be? Mm. So literally 100% of those people had improved symptoms. 96% of them lost weight by default. But again, that's inflammation right? Let's look at the body as getting rid of the bad fat. Um, and over 64% of those patients left on lower and discharged with less medication. Yeah, which is unbelievable. <laughs> and that How was just is that? food. <laughs> I know. How powerful is that? And yet we we just say, no, no, you know, nutrition makes no, I still have doctors out there that say, you know, nutrition has no role in chronic disease and mental health. It's just, it's yeah. absolutely mind-blowing. Some psychologists do. I know yeah. some. <laughs> And they yeah. think I'm batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely insane. But um, I'm like, hey, you you talk to my clients and yeah. you determine if I'm batshit crazy, if, if they've changed their life around and reversed depression, anxiety, and disordered eating that they've had for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's insane, isn't it? Um, yeah. Let's get a little bit into, a little bit more into the science if we can, Natalie, yeah. if that's okay with you. Um, yeah. What is it about meat? that promotes mental health? Well, if we look at meat itself, so red meat is the only bioavailable source. So when we talk about bioavailability versus non-bioavailability, fully access to the body. So, for example, if you look at meat, nine amino acids, right? If you look on the spectrum of anything else, there is nothing that holds all nine, right? In, say, a 350 gram piece of meat, right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, yep. Mm -hmm. So then when you eat all of those, and then they are actually the precursors for the neurotransmitters that we need. So for example, my mainstays that I always talk about is obviously dopamine, serotonin, GABA as well, which is a really important pathway for mental health. But again, when we talk about depression, and we would have heard this as well with the science around chemical imbalance in the brain because it's a serotonin issue, 97% of your serotonin is made in your gut and it's driven by what we eat. But we need the precursors of the messaging signals that I spoke about before that come in amino acids, 
which have to be then in the gut. If you've got a leaky gut, we have to treat it a little bit differently. But most of the time, even if you do have a leaky gut, um, full meat is enough for the body to then start sending those right messages. It takes time. And this is the other thing too. We've got to understand if you've eaten your way into malnourishment for 20 years, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in four weeks' time right? It's a process. So the other thing that's been vilified for many years is fat. Um, The amount of deep nutrition that is in fat, you know, DKA. Um, And that's why we always say, if you combine the red meat with all the amino acids, but then also to the fat with that, that's the powerful source that you need, right? If we look at other things in low carb, depends on what it is like i'm talking about the fact that where the person is individually is to where we take them whether it's fully zero carb or a small amount right if you're coming off a sad diet i normally gently do it but it depends on how big their threshold is and they're like no we're going to jump in um into zero carb so in doing that though it's also educating the person to understand when i eat something like red meat and fat and your brain feels amazing and your body starts to feel better and you're grounded and you're sleeping and your cortisol starts to shift, that literally is enough for people then to understand, okay, hold on, I'm not feeding myself correctly, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, my core thing is teaching people around what amino acids are, what the, you know, for example, like tryptophan, right? So you, you need those things and they come from meat, <laughs> you know, and, and they're bioavailable. So, for example, if you're even talking about iron, you know, heme iron versus non-heme, say in spinach, but then you've got all the oxalates and all that on top of it. Absolutely. It's not bioavailable. And I know people can argue this point that, you know, you, your body can absorb what it needs. But from what I've seen and, you know, I have have worked with very many people that have been plant-based and vegan that have been very, very, very sick, and it's not because they didn't do it properly. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing that we hear. Um, again, there's a lot of disordered eating patterns as well in, in that kind of cohort. Yeah. Um, so, again, dairy, whether or not you can tolerate it or not, you know, again, it's just about the individual factors of that. Some people, it can trigger sugar reactions, funnily enough. Um, there's a bit of a morphine reaction sometimes in cheese that some people can, um, can have. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? Yes, no, definitely cheese has an opioid-like activity, which is why, partly why it's so addictive. Yes, yes, exactly. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. It's just yeah. not something that I enjoy. But the mental health compa- com- really the biggest component is getting that amino acid nutrition to convert those neurotransmitters correctly. Now, sometimes you may need a bit of a support with extra magnesium or other things, you know, um, sometimes like L-theanine or um, taurine, all of those things that kind of help and support that nervous system. But again, when when you become very conscious in understanding why you're doing what you're doing when it comes to mental health, because mental health, we're also told that you've got to live with it, you've got to manage it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not true. No, and we're always, I mean, we're always told, you know, it's a deficiency, you know, chemical imbalance in the brain, whatever you want to call it. We know that's not true. We touched on that earlier uh, as well. Um, I mean, in the interest of fairness, uh, I'm sure I don't know how many plant-based 
people that are out <laughs> listening to this podcast i don't know yeah. but there are going to be people saying oh well you know i read you can get uh, all the essential amino acids from you know from from uh, vegetables as well um yeah. i mean you you can things like buckwheat for example uh it does contain all of those nine essential amino acids but the difference there is they also come with a ton of these anti-nutrients like the oxalates that you mentioned phytates um, lectins absolutely which are going to <laughs> disrupt the absorption the leaky gut syndrome they're going to affect the absorption protease inhibitors that quite literally stop the digestion of those essential amino acids or at least the protein breakdown into those yes. essential amino acids so you might not even be absorbing them they may be passing beyond your teeth correct but you're not actually necessarily getting them no and I think enough of, I think probably there's a very small amount of population that probably thrive on on maybe eating that way but I don't think there's many that yeah. can actually do that without a huge amount of supplementation and I always say if you have a huge amount of supplementation in your diet something's wrong yeah. you're not getting what you need um and again you know we've got to err on the side of the beliefs that also come with with that and beliefs are very, very difficult to break, even though your body may be breaking down. But if your belief is stuck in something, that is also going to cause a disruption. But I also believe it is about education of understanding, you know, plants just aren't plants. They're not this, you know, innate thing that, you know, we've been led to believe that doesn't cause harm. Um, they do. And, and again, you know, we've justified bloating. Like if you eat a meal with huge amounts of fiber and you're bloating and then we're told that that's normal or you're passing wind all day, every day, that's not normal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and people generally find, again, once you shift to a higher protein fat way of eating and kind of reduce all of that, the amount of shift in that just is just night and day. Yeah. People kind of wake right? up and go, Oh, wow. Like I wasn't actually meant to live that way. <laughs> yes. Good point. Because a lot of people, we, we're, we're so conditioned to, to live in a state of where we are without realizing there's so many more phases that we can go into as a human and literally live way beyond the energetic means that you ever thought was possible. And it, it actually only comes from food and moving your body and making sure that also when we talk about inflammation through food, we also have to get rid of inflammatory thoughts, inflammatory things that we say to ourselves, comparing ourselves to other people. That's also a big no-no. Even on a, on a low-carb or um, you know carnivore way journey, your journey is yours. You must own it solely. Do not compare. Do not say, oh, that person's lost weight or that person's reversed that. Own your path do it in conjunction in love with your own body and that's the other thing people don't love themselves they don't love their bodies you know the amount of people that i hear that really put their bodies down um is also a pathway to not healing either 
Yeah, no, it's very nice to hear you say that. I certainly, a lot of people that I see, they are comparing themselves to others. You know, they come in saying, I see all these people losing loads of weight. Why can't I do it? And it's like, well, you know, your body's different. You've had different genetics, different epigenetics, you know, you've yes. eaten different food. You've been exposed to different things. You know, your journey is your own and, and, and it's not actually very healthy to compare yourself to other people. It isn't. And one big thing too is cortisol. You know, I don't think also that's spoken about enough in relation to how our body will not lose weight if we're we're in a high stress cortisol state. Um, <clears throat> and one thing in the morning, you know, as we know, our cortisol kind of peaks between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. And when we wake up, if we've had a stressful day before, we've gone to bed in stress or anxiety, then we're waking up in it, but we're not using the, the cortisol. So really I say to people, if you can and you have a lifestyle that allows it, you've got to get up and move within that first two hours of when you've woken up because if you don't, that cortisol doesn't get used and it just gets laid down. So then if you're trying to lose weight and your body's inflamed plus cortisol, it's not going to happen. And that's why people then go on crazy, silly diets and then try to reduce their calories without actually understanding your body's doing what it's designed to do. It's trying to protect you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's why really ultimately calories don't really work. No. Because of this hormonal, hormonal control of, of weight. Um, so we've touched on a few things there. I mean, you mentioned, of course, uh, uh, meat's very, very strong for mental health. Uh, you mentioned all the nine amino acids there, especially tryptophan, tryptophan of course, yep. as, a, as a precursor to serotonin. I mean, you can't yes. expect to get produce serotonin if, if you uh, don't have tryptophan. <laughs> you don't have the, the, the building blocks, you know, the Correct. tryptophan, absolutely. Correct. Um, and you're right as well, of course, that the body, whilst the body can produce some things, it can't produce those essential amino acids. And tryptophan is an essential amino acid. We have to get it in the food. Yes. Um, I often hear this, you know, people are, oh, yeah, but you, your body can just make it, you know. Uh, and this is a, an argument that that uh, like plant-based people have for things like EPA, uh, DHA rather, sorry, yep. Uh, yep. the yep. Uh, omega-3s. But it's just the body doesn't quite work like that. It, it would make the bare minimum. It will, it will make exactly what it needs to make to survive, as I call it, but it also needs help from us to actually get the nutritional source that it needs. That That's why meat's there. That's why it's been there for millions of years, right? Now, if we look in a supermarket right now, none of those things existed. They're all man-made. They're all made in a, in a, in a designer factory, right? <laughs> Cauliflower is not real. It's not normal. <laughs> it's made up, right? But- it is about understanding that if you're choosing to eat what you're eating currently and nothing is changing, then I think this is where we have to pull back the curtain and go, right, you have to really look at is this the level of state of being that you want to be in forever? You don't have to be. No, you don't. You can. It's your choice. But I think the ignorance comes from understanding too when it comes to eating meat around all the other narratives as well, which I think is, again, you know, very precarious to talk about. But, again, we've just got to make sure that, you know, we're, we're giving people the correct information. And, you know, again, I'm like, go research. You go do it. Here's, here's some information. Um, but mental health, as you said earlier, when you send all of this information to people and they're like, I've never heard of this before. Like I did not have any idea that, you know, I could be contributing to my gut health, which is then affecting my mental health. Yeah. 
Yeah, especially of course so, the, the serotonin, as you said, most of it yes. is actually produced in in the gut. Um, well, the other thing with antidepressants, which I'm not sure a lot of people know, but antidepressant is designed just to whatever serotonin you know there is some in your brain, but it, it's just meant to hold it there a bit longer. That's all it's designed to do. It's not producing anymore, mm -hmm. but this is the problem. It's the symptom of that, right? And that's why people have to go sometimes to four or five different ones because they don't they don't work, right? If we treat the root cause of understanding, right, let's pull apart the puzzle that you're eating and where is this, where's your tryptophan, where's your, you know, your, um, your serotonin coming from, where's your dopamine responses, where is your GABA coming from? It doesn't come from anywhere if you don't know what you're doing or what yeah. you're eating to not contribute to that. Yeah, I mean, I'm yet to see a patient who doesn't feel better mentally and physically after eating more meat in their diet, regardless of whether they go carnival or not. Correct, yeah. You know, more meat, generally just, yeah, better mental health, better physical health as well. Um, yeah, what about, what about the, um, the negative effects of food on our mental health? And we've, we've spoken about the positive benefits of meat, but what about yes. the negative effects of other food? So, you know, I've always said this statement, you know, never underestimate the power of poor nutrition on your mental and metabolic health. It's very powerful. So, you know, when we're talking about processed foods, even like we said before, even plants can impact someone's mental and metabolic health. So if we talk about a process-driven undernourished diet, anxiety, flat moods, bad PMS, PCOS, um, bad skin, um, you know, eyesight problems, hair problems, um, no energy, not good relationships, um, again, all steeped in self-image, metabolic and mental health. So people drinking Coke every day, no, <laughs> that's that's not going to good, be good for your gut. You know, that's, that's literally probably a kilo of sugar a month that you're consuming. Same with artificial sweeteners. Um, even some in the low keto kind of spaces aren't great either. You know, we've got to be really careful even in the keto industry. A lot of that stuff I look at is still junk food. A lot of it is not, not shouldn't be consumed. Um, so is that, is that kind of answered your question around what that power of bad nutrition has? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I just wanted to kind of touch on things like, you know, sugar and, and how that, you know, adversely affects mental health, it processed food and so on. Yeah, I mean, I think well, again, you kind of have answered that, yeah. So, we, well, everything from example, like a carbohydrate base. So if we look at cereals or lunches and pastas and things like that, that most people would consume and probably think that we're quite healthy, what we've got to do is pull back and go, well, they're all going to convert to sugar. They're going to raise your insulin. That's going to keep your blood sugar on a, you know, high of a roller coaster every day that's then going to affect your moods which then you're going to be up and feel good then you're going to feel down and feel flat you're going to be tired and you're going to be at four o'clock every afternoon you want to go and eat a donut um and that's not because you know you have any understanding of what's going on but that's your body screaming to you that i need food i need nutrition so if you're constantly on that roller coaster that's a signal to tell you you are not being fed. You are not being nourished. So those signals for people is just even dragging yourself out of bed every day. We should be waking up, bouncing out of bed, mm. waiting for the day, what, what we're here to do, right? So sugar, again, it's more addictive on your brain center than it is cocaine. 
So, and there's enough studies out there now to understand that. So if we understand that, why would we do it to ourselves? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there are studies that do show it is more potentially more addictive than cocaine. I mean, I, in fairness, I think they are rodent studies, not not on humans. But um, it's probably not ethical to give people cocaine <laughs> anymore. Well, you anyway. know what? Maybe in the past. <laughs> again, if we look at sugar addiction and drug addiction, again, we've got to go root cause, as in there's some you know self image things going on there. There, but it's all it's all dopamine. It's yeah. all that dopamine reaction. Whereas with cocaine it wears off after a couple of hours and yes people can get into that loop but there's certain personalities that can get caught in that emotionally whereas with sugar it's a legal drug everyone's mm. doing it every day with the same concept of hit dopamine comes down then we go get more because it's cheap <laughs> yeah that's the problem yeah and it's it's not just a legal drug it is pushed on yes people i mean it's pushed onto kids by their parents you yes. know it's it's uh pushed not necessarily intentionally of course but no. you know it's pushed by society shops government you know yeah. all these agencies diabetic associations heart associations all of them telling us you know go and eat sugar basically uh yeah yeah, yeah it's it's a drug <laughs> it's insane it's a drug well it's funny i saw a post yesterday with um one of the doctors in sydney and she was looking at the american cancer society recommended putting ice cream on cake instead of icing and it's the same with the diabetic industry. Um, I was gobsmacked when I heard that if you have too many carbs, just feed yourself more insulin. Yeah. Let's yeah. maybe just understand that the carbohydrate intolerance issue. Uh, and and you're right. We're led to believe and we hear the things that, you know, we can't survive without carbs and, you know, it's dangerous um, eating, you know, meat forever Really, because the thing is, too, what we've got to do is look at long-term low-carb carnivore, even car carnivore way of eating. None of us are dead. Yeah. We're not sick. <laughs> so, again, it's a matter of going, it's a lifestyle thing, but it, but it also very uniquely sits with what someone needs to feed and nourish themselves correctly, and then they can make a decision. When you Absolutely. get your health back, then you eat something and you go backwards. I had a client actually that did that. She um, was off fruit for, you know, the whole protocol because she was actually a disordered eating client and um, then added fruit back in and she messaged me. She said, I feel really depressed and I don't know why. And I said, oh, just tell me what else is going on. And she's like, oh, I've added some fruit back in. And I said, how often? She's like, oh, every night. And I said, are you doing it because you want it or are you doing it because it's habit now? And she's like, oh. I said, take it out, give it two weeks and see what happens disappeared. Yeah. Her whole mood came back. So the alert system for a lot of people is go, well, how could fruit do that? Fructose is not good on the brain if we're overloading it. Yeah. It's still sugar. Sugar, mm -hmm. sugar, sugar. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, of course, we're told fruit is good, you know, eat a rainbow as colourful as possible, all this, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's and not we know where that comes from. Yeah, we know where that comes from. It, exactly. it comes from profits. Um, yeah. But again, it's understanding those and educating and helping people um, with the information that, you know, like I said earlier, if someone's put on a keto diet for epilepsy, why wouldn't we put someone on that for 
depression or schizoid disorder. Yeah. Exactly. Why not? And I mean, I, I have patients with those conditions. Uh, we've we've done carnivore diets, and they've all improved. Yes, there you go. You know, and there are case studies out there showing keto can improve things like schizophrenia, uh, PTSD, yes. uh, these yes. kinds of things. Which you think, how is PTSD even nutritionally involved? <laughs> but it still can help. I mean, you touched on something there that uh, uh, I think is really important, actually, because, you know, a lot of nutritional science is based around observational studies, epidemiology yes. studies, very, very poor studies. Yeah. Yet no one looks at the biggest epidemiological study of all in that we've been, you know, we're still here. Yes. <laughs> you know, for four or five million years, we've we've been eating meat and we're still here. Yeah. Yes, like, correct. It's probably not that bad for us, you know? I know. And if I look at my, my grandparents, like, you know, it was nothing to show up at my grandparents and have a big bit of meat with some eggs and butter and tripe and organs. Yeah. And I grew up on that, right? So I think it's, you know, thank goodness now when I think about it. But that yeah. was normal. That that was the normal space of what you ate. Um, but then we know where that kind of transpired with good old Ansel Keys kind of getting in the mix there. Um, yeah. But you're right. Again, if you look at long-term, whether it's ketogenic or kind of what it is even now, you know, even the girl, the rancher in Canada, she's like 82. Have you I seen saw, her? I saw that photo. Dr. Baker posted it with Dr. Chaffee. And it's like, no, she's she's like, <laughs> must be like 40 something, like, she looks almost younger than Dr. Chaffee, and he's I like know. 42, I think. It's like, yes, he is. Oh, she is not. I, I, I don't know. 82. Insane, insane. She's it been is. in carnival for 65 years, I think I saw. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. Yep. And, Shows and you, this is the thing. Well, like you said, it's the Benjamin Button aging backwards. Yes. You know? <laughs> but even, you know, tribally, we've got to really look at the history of tribes, even, you know, what. Um, people are eating now it's just been like that for millennia and and they're all good and they're surviving and and the rates of even things like adhd and um you know depressive anxiety disorders if you go go there they don't exist no none of them exist no they don't and there's people out there to be fair that would say well you know they're just not seeing doctors they're not getting diagnosed you know but then you look at uh, things like western a price you know uh, the yes. dentist you know going Love out him. and saying but all these people have just absolutely perfect dentition they've never seen a dentist they don't brush yes. their teeth they don't use toothpaste no. they don't have fluoride no. in their water Correct. they're just living That's off the, the land other thing and they've got they've got absolutely perfect teeth teeth yes you know yes and what animal out there like what you know when was the last time you saw a lion with adhd <laughs> you know or a, or a zebra with uh you know uh, something or lounging you know? around not being able to get up and you know yeah. hunt for food right yeah. um, and like autoimmune diseases and uh, you know tigers with hypothyroidism and you correct. know like human beings are the only animal on the planet that, that does not know what to eat i know and this is the it's thing crazy. like we don't need meal plans. We don't need to be told breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snack, and this is the calories and count your macros. This is where it's all gone wrong. Um, and and again, though, you know, we look about environmental toxins. You know, I'm a massive um, component of making sure that we're not drinking tap water or even bottled water. Um, I, I have a Japanese machine on my um, sink that literally is an ionizer, so it actually, you know, 
rebalances all the water. It takes out all the toxins, but it also makes it 9.5. So it's an ionized state of water and it's actually more hydrating because it also shifts the molecules of the water. It makes it smaller. Mm. So as it's tap water, the molecules are really big. So when you drink it, you hear it sloshing around in your tummy, right? Most of the time. Um, whereas the water that I always recommend is ionized water. So it, the molecules are very small and they're absorbed immediately into your gut. And it also allows you to hydrate yourself far better than um, yeah, any kind of tap water or um, in bottled water. I've tested every bottled water there is on the market. Interesting. And every single time you test it, it goes yellow. Um, so it's on a scale of 2.5 to five uh, to 2.5 to about 3.5. Looks mm. like urine when you test it. Don't drink it. It's highly <laughs> nobody, acidic. Nobody really wants to wants to drink urine. <laughs> no. But this is the thing. We're also led to believe that bottled water is healthier than tap water, but when you test it, it's actually also in plastic, which then has phthalates and it's also endocrine Often, disruptors. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's all yellow. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Mm. Um, so when I'm you conscious- test my water, it goes purple. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to discuss that maybe next time. Yeah. Yeah. To come on again. But I'm I'm conscious of time because we've already yep. gone through. Good. Two Zoom meetings, so right. we've been about an hour and a half now. So uh, we've got about five minutes left. So right. is there anything, Natalie, we've touched on a lot of things today and yeah, I've learned, certainly learned you. some stuff from you. It's been absolutely great. Hopefully all my you know, viewers and listeners have, have learned something as well. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you do want to quickly mention at all? I think one of the biggest things I want people to know is, one, they're not broken, and two, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just about you really just haven't been given the tools and the strategies to understand, one, how your mind works, why it does what it does, and also, two, why your body needs proper nutrition um, to get you into a full human primal state. Um, So don't blame yourself, but take any information that you hear. You know, Even the amazing work that you're doing is just it never lands in front of someone by accident. That's always my belief. So if you've seen it, listen, explore. People can reach out to me. I have a 30-minute free call uh, if they want to have a chat, um, and then we can just go from there. Yeah, perfect. How can people find you? Yeah, you can stalk me on Facebook or Instagram uh, or on my website, which, you know, you obviously have all the notes. Um, Yeah, or or just even just DM me through Instagram, no problem at all. Yeah, perfect. So you offer free free half-hour consultations. Yes. Um, so people can get to know you and then see if they like what you're talking about and then hopefully get some help from you down the line. So I'll make yeah. sure to put all of those links in the uh, description for the episodes on the podcast and on, on YouTube. Thank um, you. Thank you so much, Natalie, for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I was really looking forward to talking to you and learning some stuff from you. You certainly have not disappointed. Thank uh, you. So thank you so much. Hopefully all my viewers and listeners have learned a lot as well. And thank you for persevering with the recording issues. Um, <laughs> I think I might just have to change, change my software. It's just getting a bit annoying. But anyway, oh, good. Um, thank you so much, Natalie, uh, for coming on the show. Have a great day. Thank you. I will. Uh, thank thank you. you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the Meek Medi podcast. Hopefully, you've all learned something today from Natalie West, uh, the nutritional psychologist. Thank you so much for coming on today's show, Natalie. Thank you. Loved it. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you for this. Li- thank you for listening to this episode of the Meek Medic podcast. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help to spread the word that how, how we can improve mental and physical health through diet and nutrition. If you are imp- interested in improving your own... Okay, let's just re-record that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Meet Medic Podcast. If you found this episode useful, please leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help out the channel to grow. If you have found this useful and you want to improve your physical and mental health further, please do check out my website, themeekmedic.com, where you can find all my eBooks are currently 50% off with the code 50 off. That's code 50 off, five zero off, O-double-F, for 50% off all eBooks. Take care. Thank you. See you in the next episode.